Hello and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. This week is up. This month is episode thirty-two. The horror of Dracula, or Dracula, which is the nineteen fifty-eight Christopher Lee movie. Um, for if you uh, are interested in more information, check out our website at www.goldenagehorror.com. Okay, so this is our first Hammer horror movie, and TBH. I would call this more of a Peter Cushing movie than a Christopher. I would hardly call this a Christopher Lee movie, right? Because he doesn't do anything. He well, was, he does lots of stuff. He appears at the, at the top of stairs and at the bottom of stairs. For a lot of people, he's like who they think of when they think of Dracula. I guess, but and he never. I don't think in any of the Dracula movies that I've. Any of the Hammer movies that I've seen, I think I've seen three or four of them, does he ever really speak that much? Oh, okay. Like, he's got that... Like, there's that one scene where he's got the blood on his mouth when you first see... And you know, like, he means serious Dracula business. Mm-hmm. That's, like, pretty striking. Yeah. But aside from that, he looks kind of silly. He's kind of, like, f- s- flitting around in a cape. I don't think he looks... I, I disagree. I disagree. Well, I don't think he looks, like... He, just, he, ne- he never imposed, like, menace. I never found him to be, like, striking. Hmm. Yeah, I disagree. Okay. Because um, my my important note that I wrote was like his little brisk walk down the stairs. Yeah, that part. I mean, I, well, think it, like in contrast to Bela Lugosi, I like Bela Lugosi's performance is a lot more like. Um. He's a lot more like, I guess, sexual, or he's more like he's got. He's he's got more of a, he's got more of a presence in general. Yeah, I suppose. Christopher Christopher Lee's performance is very very physical. Yeah, like he's very like hands on Dracula, like yeah, in the in the combined like five minutes he appears on screen. Yeah, he doesn't on the screen very much, but honestly, neither is Lugosi or most Draculas. But he has like a Lugosi has like I think a strong Lugosi had this whole thing where he he I think the 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 um there's a Dracula draw. Yeah, well, he he leans so heavily on his like the sort of exoticism of his voice yeah. and his his style. I think that that created like a certain impression of what Dracula yeah, is. Yeah, a very like menacing, like lurid Dracula. Where this movie just like opens with the the like that unearthly colored red blood dripping on the Dracula plaque. Yeah, and it's just like that sort of sets the tone because it's sort of like psychotronic, like. Dracula just like charges in like his eyes are all bloodshot his mouth is always dripping like ridiculous yeah, amounts he, of red gory blood he's going nuts he's like, going nuts he like read, he, I mean the the big scene in the beginning where he kills uh, or he first bites Jonathan Harker he like comes in and he like throws the bride around the room like a rag doll and then throws Harker around the room and he's just like bouncing around and flitting down the stairs and running from place to place and yeah like it's very like fast-paced kinetic performance yeah he is he definitely he's definitely a lot more for, like he's, he moves a lot more for Dracula's mm. maybe because he, he didn't have like they, they didn't give time for his Dracula to breathe no I mean I, I think there's to create like a sense of menace to him yeah I think there's a reason why he didn't talk very much but not even like literally talk but just like some of the scenes where he's just like, like when he locked Van Helsing in the basement, he's like, you see him for like a brief second. He like pokes his head, he's like, ha, I yeah. gotcha, and he closes yeah. the cellar door. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th I thought I remember. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and they only mention that there's a later Dracula movie where he doesn't speak at all. Yeah. Like he has zero lines. I guess that's because he refused to give to you. To according to this, he refuses to say any of the dumb words they they had written down. So he's just, I'm just gonna hiss. I'm not gonna say any of this garbage. I mean, I mean to be fair, that's like, is that also Hammer still? Yeah. Yeah. That was a later Hammer movie. I I guess I get where he's coming from. <laughs> the words in this movie are extremely forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. The this movie definitely relies upon its pacing and its. Which is which is like Dracula's walk down the stairs, quite brisk. Yeah, this this that's the thing. I I have seen this movie before, but I did not recall at all that it was like it just moves so fast. It just moves along the cliff. It's just like plot point to plot point to plot point. Yeah, I I mean I remembered. I definitely remembered um, Peter Cushing's performance as being striking. Yeah, and I remembered some of the stuff of Christopher Lee's like the same images that stick in everybody's mind. And the image that's often replayed is that image of. Uh, where he's like extreme close up and his eyes are bloodshot. He's got the fangs, the drip blood from the fangs. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I did, did not remember it being like just like a, like a bullet out of a gun, like right from the beginning. Yeah, Jonathan Hark is in. He's, he's like, Dracula's bad. I'm gonna kill Dracula. And Dracula's like, nah, I'm yeah. gonna kill you. And then it's just like, the, keeps racking up the bodies. Mm. And this movie just, it does play, um, Real fast and loose with the story of Dracula. I mean, I'll, pretty much every Dracula movie has played pretty fast and loose with the novel to some. I mean, to some extent. Um, but this one does take some liberties for sure. Well, it seems to be some just like take the general plot, and then they have the characters, and that sort of. Yeah, they sort of rearrange the characters yeah. to fit or cut some people out. Like I, the like the Belagosi one transposes Renfield and puts Renfield in the Jonathan Harker role in the beginning. Yeah. But then makes him back into Renfield later. I kind of miss like the Renfield in this yeah, movie. Yeah, there's no Renfield. And yeah. then it subtracts like none of the movies had. Um, in the in the novel, there's notably like the three suitors for Lucy, and one of them's like a Bowie knife slinging American. Okay. One of them's the um, the Doctor Seward, and the other one is uh, Lord uh, Arthur Holmwood or whatever. Is the is the American like a Morris? Yeah, Quincy Morris. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. I learned that from Castlevania. Or from Castlevania? Yeah. Well, yeah. In, the one, in the Genesis, like, Castlevania Bloodlines, you play as, like, Jonathan Morris. Okay. A descendant of Quincy Morris. I see what they did there. Yeah. L much like the films, they just play Fast and Loose with Dracula yeah. lore. Well, I think... Well, I probably would imagine even more so at Castlevania. I mean, I think they play Fast and Loose with an equal amount. Yeah, okay. <laughs> These films play very Fast and Loose with Dracula. Yeah. So, um... Do you want to uh, do you want to do the recounting of this Dracula story? Oh, this this Dracula story's got a lot of this guy, this one. This is a movie that's like, I think when I think a lot about stories recently, I think a lot of like I compare like plot to character, like how much plot does this have versus how much character this have. Mm -hmm. This has like one percent character, and like ninety nine percent plot. Like, it's so. Jonathan Harker goes to some unnamed. He goes to Castle Dracula. Mm -hmm. He's like Dracula's bad business. I'm gonna catch him under the guise of being his librarian and then he gets bit and then he turns into a vampire and then Van Helsing goes to look for him and then Van Helsing it kill, finds Harker and kills him but Dracula's already flitted away at this point on like one of his carriages so what happens though then Van Helsing's like well I gotta go tell Jonathan Harker's 
like not widows like betrothed's family but not only that but his betrothed has also been getting like nightly dracula visits so then she's also a vampire so he's like i gotta stop this but then she like the maid who's useless who's completely useless who's like if she just listened to orders like this movie would be so much different yeah she didn't take those Garlics or whatever they were, right? The wolf's bane or whatever. That was yeah, supposed to be. it would change everything. The bat's bane. I don't think vampires care about wolf's bane. They do actually care about wolf's bane. Oh, well, good for them. Seems like you can really double up with some wolf's bane. Yeah, um, I suppose. Yeah, so then she gets, she, then she dies and turns into a vampire, and then there's like a daughter or something. This <laughs> this child in their family that they seem to not have a very close relationship with. That's presumably their daughter. Well, I mean, if this is in Victorian times, I actually think that's probably kind of accurate. They just people you probably did tell your father, like Mister Holmwood or whatever, and they just ignore their children. Yeah. I found her. I found a child. Like she, I found Tanya on the streets. Oh, is that my daughter just wandering the streets at night? Yeah. Actually, I read a I read a book not that long ago. Um, it was a book of letters that a Victorian couple, or there it was technically an Edwardian couple, but it was. The story of someone had re- recorded their parents' letters yeah. and reprinted them as like a story of their romance at the time. And they were late Victorian, early Edwardian. And when they had their children, they didn't see them. They, like them, just... they were they were upper middle class and they completely foisted it all upon a ma- maid. Oh, they just kind of ignored like them? They, like the fa- they would just visit with their children. <laughs> so I mean, that seems like an ideal way to deal with children <laughs> okay. until, until they're of an age. Where they're like human beings that you can talk to, mm. rather, I rather than like weird little mess machines. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So you 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 might you, with that attitude, you probably fit in quite well in the Victorian times. Yeah, they, didn't they have the, they had the fancy? Um, it's not the House of Glass, but you know what I'm talking about. What is that thing called? The yeah, I know what you're talking about. The the exposition. I can't remember what it. Yeah, is. it was like a large glass building. It's like the yeah. ex, the expedition exhibition of the world. Which I think is technically Edwardian times. No, that's that's is it Victorian. That's Victorian times, or is it late Victorian? Um, it is Victorian times because I'm pretty sure it was created for. I feel like it was the Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. It was created for one of uh, yeah the Crystal Palace. It's for the Grand Exhibition, and it was 1851. So it actually was. Well. Quite in the middle of Victorian times. Okay. Victorian times actually ended in uh, um, 1898, 1899, I think. I think Crystal Palace also lasted quite a while. It did. It lasted until. Um, let's see. Huh. Anyway. Destruction by fire. 1936. Okay. Yeah. So, what was the point of that? That was just something I remembered. Oh, okay. The point is, we were talking about children, and like I remember this yep, thing remember from, another, from another story. I remember the Crystal Palace, and I thought it was neat. Oh, it is very neat. Yeah, definitely, I agree. I but, thought I thought you were tying that to child rearing some way, and I was... I was no, no, I was no, I just, I just... It threw me off on a tangent of another story that I did. Oh, okay. And that made me think of that. Anyway, you know, Victorian romance. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so then Lucy, who is the betrothed, who became one of Dracula's, I guess Dracula's betrothed, he's very, like, he likes to move on. He's, he, Dracula doesn't have much grieving time in between his, his dead betrothes. He just, like, snaps on to the next one as quick yeah. as he can. No, he, he doesn't care. 
So then, so then they kill Lucy, mm-hmm. who is a vampire. So he's like, I gotta move on to the next one. So then he, I, I, this is also like 40, 40, 50 minutes in or something, where he bites Mina, who you, who you just learned her name is Mina. Yep. Yep. Who's at this point like Mr. What was his name? It's Arthur Homewood. Arthur, Arthur Homewood. Did they ever call him Arthur? Yes. Or that, okay. I think so. I believe so. Yeah, so then she becomes a vampire. It's like, oh no, she's a vampire also. So then they have to use him to trick into finding Dracula because he, like, sneaks into their house and, like, locks Van Helsing in the basement and then, like, whisks her away on a carriage and then they chase her into Dracula's house and he's like, takes a really long time getting down a trap door. <laughs> so he just kind of, like, awkwardly stares at Van Helsing where he's, like, opening a trap door. He's like, you got me. <laughs> And then they fight a little, and then Van Hel- and then Peter Cushing does a very good swashbuckling move where he like, runs across the table, and like jumps onto, like, curtains and yanks them down on Dracula and yeah. melts um to ash and like kind of average like in special effects. Well, they're pretty good for the time. Yeah, pretty good for the time, I guess. I would th- I would think they're pretty good for the time. Yeah, it was it was real like 1958. It, there, let's just say there was like a lot of that ash was like three frames of ash, like three states of ash. Sure. I think they did a. I think that the gore, quote unquote, in this movie is actually pretty impressive. For yeah. the time, I mean, impressive in the sense that it's fairly gory for the. Time. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot more splatter when they were killing Lucy than I was expecting. Yeah, well, that there was splatter. There's a lot, yeah, and then the whole thing of Dracula turned to ash. I think that made that as graphic as they could. Yeah, his face was kind of like, it was kind of like that gross skeleton face, but like. Yeah, the face was the worst part. I think they did a good job with his uh, withery hands, his hands and his leg. Yeah, his leg looked weird because it was, you know, when you, when you're turning into ash, you don't see any flesh. You kind of like it doesn't look like this. It's not as visually striking, mm-hmm. I think, okay. because you're just kind of seeing pants get smaller. Yeah, smaller pants. <laughs> Pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the fight at the end a lot. I think it's no, yeah, great, it look, like physical. It looks good. Yeah, it's it's, it's like. Christopher Lee's hair gets like messed up in a good way. Yeah, it's sort of you can tell they're transitioning to diff- a slightly diff- diff- more realistic kind of fight. Yeah, or it just more, it just felt more visceral than some of the other. Like I know we talked before about the the, uh, the way they in a lot of these other movies they were just like grab each other's shoulders and shake each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the traditional like the awkward middle school yeah. dance of fighting. Yeah. Which might even be like pretty realistic as far as fighting goes, because a lot of times you just people like don't trying know, to like people don't know how to fight. Yeah, people are just trying to like wrestle each other to the ground. Yeah, like what do I do with my hands? Yeah, because really getting punched in the face sucks. So it's better to just like. And I'm sure punching things also sucks. Yeah, it's really not great. Nothing, nothing about that's fun. <laughs> people just definitely better just wrestle someone to the ground and smash their head into the ground. Yeah, give them a good choking. Yeah, choke, choke and smash. Dracula style. Yeah, he just loves the next. He's just in the next stuff. He is in the next stuff. Yeah, that was like you know a decent sort of fight. It was not because it was it was faster. It's a lot like there was actually a sense of stakes instead of the weird wiggle that they often go through. It's like clumsy stage fighting, and this is still an era where there was like bad wind up punches and like yeah, definitely Kirk style axe. Yeah, well, Star Trek was nineteen sixty <laughs> yeah. what five? Yeah, which is Six? which is after this. Yeah, well after this. So that's like, well, what, what's the little axe slams? I don't know. The worst, the, the least efficient way to hurt somebody? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 
you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, where you put your two hands together. And just and you, bat- give I mean, a that's a huge William Shatner move. Give him a little hammer smash. Yeah. Because if you're using both of your hands, you're doubling your punching power. You're yeah. not just going to break your hands. And you're showing those lizard men who's boss. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading the Wikipedia article on this now, and uh, I guess the original shot of, the, just of Dracula's um, death included a shot where Dracula appears to peel away his own decaying skin. Okay. And this is accomplished by putting a layer of red makeup on his face and covering his face with thin coating of mortician's wax and then raking it and it would reveal the raw marks underneath when he like pulled his... That would have been pretty cool. And it, I, they filmed it and it was... Uh, but it was cut out. Oh. I guess it's on the Blu-ray. Okay. But I, you know, we just that watched sh- it on the Amazon Instant Video. That seemed like it would have been a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. This... No, this no. Since this is like meant to be like Universal Part Two or mm-hmm. Universal Second Wave, it's definitely going like clearly has a different feel to it. Yeah, it still has some of the um, like this theatrical staginess to it, where it's like film is has it's still like got its roots. Maybe because it's, these are very workmanlike, and they're just like are these Corman style like similar, real quick and dirty films. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know about the production of these. I don't think Hammer... I mean, Hammer did not have big budgets, I don't think. Yeah, so it feels like... But I don't think they were making... Like, I mean, AIP is, like, so fast and cheap. I don't think they're... I, I don't think it's the same kind of thing, no. But, like... Okay, not as quick and dirty as Corman, but... And they're still, they're still a genre picture. Yeah. So they're still, like... I guess because it wasn't until, like, fairly recent until genre film became more widely accepted as like I mean, film at least Star Wars is really the first movie that where ushers in like the block or Jaws maybe but it, the, the blockbuster yeah genre picture where, pe- where people actually look at genre like oh these are real like not only does like the mass public start to watch it but then they're sort of like oh genre films are well made yeah well it's, it's I think it's it's more of a commercial consideration either way I, I still don't think they're like I don't think people most people consider genre pictures art no, actually, but, I think a lot of people think the ones now are worse than the ones they used to make. Right, artistically speaking. But I mean, they're at least getting a lot more money, so you yeah, have more. They get more money because people are like, "Oh, this is this is a, this is a good investment." So there's there's at least more room for it. Yeah. No, yeah, this is, and it's like, also, there's no you can't excuse the times because you know there were similar films with more artistry made around this era mm. or before. Well, we've seen. I mean. We watched the movie M, for example, yeah. which is a highly artistic movie. Yes, oh, which yeah. is like super striking and yeah, which is like weird in the context of a lot of these other movies. Yeah, which is like wow, this movie is like it's got like themes. Yeah, and characters in this like the cinematography looks way different. Even like something like um, what what was it, Doctor Mabuse? Yeah. Also a Fritz Lang movie. Yeah. So I guess Fritz Lang in this era was just doing, like, cool stuff. Yeah, well, actually, by this time, he's, he, he was... I think he was almost blind and he was working in Hollywood because he lost his eyesight as he got older. Oh. But, um... His style, when he went to Hollywood, changed quite a bit. He he, he dialed... He, he sort of set... I mean, he's... Chris, Fritz Lang is interesting because he sort of prefigures the Universal movies. Yeah. Like... The, they borrowed a lot of his visual techniques, like the long shadows and the weird angles and the, the sets and stuff like that. Yeah. And as he's losing his sight, he sort of really makes, really changes the way he approaches visual storytelling so he's like as stark and as simple as possible. Okay. 
and he he makes movies I think until the nineteen sixties. That's a long time. Yeah, but like also like what do I what is Hollywood stuff? I don't think I've ever heard of any. Uh, like, True Fear comes okay. to mind, uh, but that's not that's that's an early Hollywood one. There's there's he makes um, there's a movie something Street. Okay. Uh, Scarlet Street. That's a pretty famous one. I guess all the stuff I had ever heard of was like German output. Yeah, he made he made a lot of film noir. Okay. Things like that. Um. Yeah, he actually I guess he made movies until nineteen fifty seven. The Big Heat. He made another Octave Boost movie. In nineteen sixty. Um, yeah, but to, to speak to the similarities or whatever between the Hammer and the Universal movies, I think that Dracula is sort of an archetypal example of how the Universal movies for their time were very lurid. Yeah. Like, having this Eastern European man basically openly seduce women on film and this, the, the subject of vampirism like this was there was already a production code in place even if it wasn't being enforced that made this movie this that move that the original dracula um in a lot of ways shattered the boundaries of and i mean it wasn't until like the late 30s when they started enforcing that production code and you see the movie start to get less overtly lurid yeah and this is this movie comes out and i feel like they're also trying to make lurid picture but yeah. considering it's now 1958 they can do things like the freaky red blood and the and he gets like he gets a real up in me huh? yeah but that actually he, I think the sex is dialed way back in this movie he's almost just like an animal feeding on women he's not really like yeah but he's got a little he's got a little foreplay before he bites her in that one part mm, that's true I guess that's true, that's true. but also that one lady, they really they those those get the bride. The necklines go a lot lower yeah, now. The deck, the necklines definitely. We're in the fifties now. Yeah, yeah. We got Technicolor. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, I, I think it's interesting, sort of like, the, I guess the multiple approaches to the vampires, because I've. Weirdly enough, I've seen a lot of vampire movies recently. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the, I'm thinking of a lot of the more recent movies I've seen have all been like vampire movies. Oh, yeah, well, because you've even watched you watched the Girl Walks Home Alone. Uh, Girl Walks Home Alone Night. You watched uh, the comedy one. What we do in the shadows. And we've watched. Uh, we all watched um, the the uh, Tilda Swinton movie. Was that only Lovers Left Alive? Only Lovers Left Alive. And I've also and I also watched Let the Right One In. Let the Right One In, yeah. Which are all vampire movies and. Uh, all completely different takes. Yeah, vampires are broad and uh, archetype, and completely different like feels. And I liked all, all those movies. I watched recently Chronos, which, yeah, that's is, a great movie. which is sort of like vampire adjacent. I, I guess that definitely a vampire movie. Yeah, feels. Like, I mean, I always thought it was. And I always, and which was weird because like, I didn't realize at first that was going to be English and Spanish, which is a weird thing. Like it's it's a bilingual movie, mm-hmm. which I had never seen before. Which is like a neat approach. Yeah. In a lot of ways, he Del Toro kind of is like bringing, like he does, he he trades in like gothic horror. Yeah, oh, definitely. In like no. that, like it's universal feel. That's. I mean, have you seen the pictures of his house? Right. No. It is like. Um, 
it's just like it's just like a complete funhouse for memorabilia. Okay. <laughs> for I mean memorabilia from first of all it's it's completely decoed out in like like a Victorian style house. Okay. So it's got like the wood paneling or I mean not the wood not the paneling the woodwork rather yeah. built ins, you know mahogany dark colored wallpaper dark colored layers of wallpaper. I think the, I think he there's a documentary where he says he gets his wallpaper from Bradbury and Bradbury which is a famous restoration wallpaper company that does the wallpaper for the Haunted Mansion in okay. Disneyland. So you can imagine, or Disney World, or whichever one it is. And uh, it's just it's just stuffed with, like, like, you know, Frankenstein busts and All right. um, pages from the Necronomicon and, like, whatever else he can grab. And I guess that's, like, that's a lot of the appeals, like, I guess I see in, like, these universally South horror movies. I see, like, the bones of what people, like, Del Toro would make, because I... Now, now I watched Chronos, but I watched The Devil's Backbone recently. Yep. And I just, I kind of love Del Toro's movies. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's great. Yeah, definitely. Like, he's, like, he's taking a lot of what exists in these films, but, like, he's bringing his, like, he brings a lot of characterization to his work, and he has, like, surprisingly decent child actors in his films. Mm, I didn't, I've never, I actually have The Devil's Backbone, but I didn't, I only watched about a half an hour of it, and then I got distracted that day, and uh, I've never gone back to it. It's really good. Yeah, I was enjoying it. I was doing it quite a bit. I just didn't get a chance to finish it. And it's, you know, not... Uh, it's in, packed away somewhere right now. So. Oh, yeah. I got it recently. I like that. It's 666 in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. I want to get... Well, Cronus is on Hulu. It is. Yeah, that's where I watched it. Yeah. But Devil's Background wasn't. Yeah. I, I think Pan's Labyrinth it might be his best movie. Yeah, which, which is also, like, super visually striking. Mm. I haven't seen the newest one. Um, Crimson Peak. Yeah. I've... People like I think got kind of mixed reviews. Some people I heard some I heard some approach. Someone's like, "Don't look at it as like a horror movie. Look at it as like a weird gothic romance film." I think either way, I like it. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I I, I know I, I I I've also heard the mixed reviews thing, but I think that um, that just might given the movie, I'll probably like it just on its on its own merits. Yeah. and that might just also be coming with like. Inc- like increased popularity in Del Toro, so he reaches a wider audience. Yeah, maybe maybe some of his stuff doesn't hold up to, like a wider like, like a, a wider film, glass. or just like a wide like once you put more taste into it. Mm, that's true too. Yeah, so that was just vampire related, I guess. So universe related. So we were planning on watching like what four or so, like a bunch of Dracula. Yeah, if we can, if we can, it's gonna be a rough month, but oh uh, yeah, sneak in a bunch of Drax. Yeah, because I like sort of like. This, these various interpretations of yeah Dracula. So here's what here's here was the four I, I came up with. Okay. Yeah. There's this one. There's there's a the ballet Dracula that Guy Madden made. Okay. Which is a black and white. It might be silent. I think it's silent. It's a black and white um, ballet movie with an Asian Dracula, and that movie's supposed to be quite good. Yeah. Then I want to watch the Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola one. Yeah. That's a favorite of mine, even though it is. He's got Dracula's got really big dumb hair in that one, doesn't he? There's a lot going. A lot, the movie's very cool visually. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff. Um, there's also really regrettable subplot, but that's like we can <laughs> if we watch if we end up watching it like according to plan, we will. Uh, uh, we can it, discuss it, it. It'll stick out. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? And then also, I want to watch um, uh, the pretty much objectively terrible Dario Argento's Dracula. Okay, but that's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. Was it in 3D? Yeah. Well, I don't have I don't have access to 3D, oh. but 
No, I feel like you really aren't getting the full experience if you don't see like the fangs coming out of the screen at you. Um, well, we'll have to. I guess we'll find out, won't we? How much like witches is in that one? How much? Um, how many? How much goblin is in is, that one? It is. Um, it is so much worse than Suspiria. But like, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what the soundtrack is in that movie. It might. Be, I mean, it probably does have like Italian synthesizers in the background. So, Suspiria is like I think the peak of this kind of like film that has like is like all plot and substance or all pl- plot and style over any kind of like characters yeah and substance. I, th- I, don't, I think that you're conflating plot and substance and style rather because Suspiria's plot is like no I, when I when I full of holes well when I say when I when I say we plot I mean like what motivates the film moving forward is plot not any kind of character yeah like in this movie like I we sit, we both kind of thought towards the end, like you said, why is Dracula burying him in a hole? And I was like, why is Dracula doing anything? Yeah, right. Like he has like no motivation in this movie to do. That's true. He just wants to kill. He just wants to be Dracula, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if you remember Suspiria, but there's like no plot at all. And then all of a sudden, like she goes to the airport and a bunch of people tell her about witches. Yeah. And she's just like. Well, that, that's what I mean. Like everything's motivated by plot. Like the characters have no real reason to do anything other than you got to move the plot forward. Yeah. The movie just moves on its own. Which is a, which is a weird thing to me, which is kind of like part of my dad because it's kind of like my least favorite. Like I've grown, I think I've always sort of preferred characters over plot in things. So like I would take like a million sort of like. I sometimes I've looked at like, you know, you know, viewing guides for things, mm-hmm. and what they'll do is like, they'll when they they'll trim the fat so you know you makes watching something more like seven seasons of a show easier to do. Yeah. But the fat they trim a lot of times, like, oh, these are really good character episodes. Yeah. And like, well, like, yeah. It's like you're taking all the good bits, and you're just, like, focusing on the plot episode, which are, like, I often, like, oh, well, I guess it's a plot episode. Like, I don't really get anything out of that. Well, I think it, I think it really depends on the show. Yeah. Because there's some shows where there's probably good character moments, but otherwise the episodes are, like, very forgettable and bad. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for example. Yeah, that's that's a show that goes like I have a mixed relationship with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is like five and a half seasons too long. Yeah, I think <laughs> each I think each episode is twenty minutes too long. Yeah. I think each episode has a hundred percent too much Xander in it. Yeah. <laughs> well that's the thing, like you're gonna get like little character moments in every episode, but like but there, they, but, there they, was, but there was Xander. Yeah, they're not vital. There was one moment when I was watching through Buffy where um I might have said it. I might have told you this before. There's an episode where there's two Xanders, uh-huh. and I literally fell asleep. <laughs> I don't fall asleep when I'm watching TV. I'm just like, I can't do this. <laughs> like, I can't stand this. Shit. I guess we could watch the episode of Buffy where Dracula comes on. He's alright in that. I no, guess yeah, he's okay. He's fine. He's like, whatever. I'd rather they didn't play it as a joke. I'd rather Dracula be like a serious guy. Well, they play everything as a joke. Until they, they don't, don't though. In, until they don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand. I understand why they would do that. Yeah, but well, because when we were watching this movie, even I was like, in the very beginning thing, when like John Harker has a little message and he just signed Dracula in twenty. 20- yeah, but that made you laugh. But it, because in this, in like in yeah. the twenty first century, it seems ridiculous because Dracula is such. He's so archetypal. Yeah, it's like he's so burned into culture. That like that someone he would just refer to himself as Dracula, just outright, just seemed almost ridiculous. All right, so there are actually eight sequels to this movie. 
Um, Dracula think, died, though. I think all but seven of them. Oh, I'm sorry. Six of them have Christopher Lee in them, and four of them have Peter Cushing. But Dracula died. I saw him die. Yes, yes, I did too. Did, how did, did you come back? Yeah, he just, I mean, they just raised him up in various Is this ways. just Castlevania? The Dracula just I know a couple back? of them involve Dracula in the 70s. Like, he gets resurrected by, like, arrogant teenage occultists okay. in, like, 1972. <laughs> All right. I mean, that sounds kind of... Okay. Actually, The Brides of Dracula is one of the ones without... That one's supposed to be pretty good. That one does not have Dracula. That has Baron Meinster. Okay. And, um... There's also notable the other one without Christopher really is also kind of notable in that it's the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. <laughs> or, it's a co-production uh, between Hammer Bro- Hammer and the Shaw Brothers. Uh, okay. You know the Shaw Brothers? Yeah, I know the Shaw Brothers. So it doesn't have Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee can Christopher Lee's martial arts aren't up to snuff. I think he just he was he had been done. He just kept coming back, but he was done. Like after this movie, he felt he felt spiritually done with the character of Dracula. <laughs> after, after he just kind of like ran around a cape for. Like, but he liked getting paychecks. But I think at some point he just sort of gave up, or the, maybe there was some kind of contract that he finally got out of. Maybe he just wanted to act in a movie. Mm. No, yeah, he definitely did. He made he made a non-hammer Dracula movie, um, which was like a very faithful adaptation of the novel. Okay, but I haven't seen that either. I can't remember what that's called. Something it's just called Dracula. I'm not sure. Yeah, like when you, if like you, because Christopher Lee can like command a screen. I think easily. Yeah, he's good in a lot of movies. Like The Wicker Man. He's great in The Wicker Man. And that's like when you compare Wicker, like he, like he. I never really felt like oh, besides like that one still of him with you know his eyes. Well, he doesn't have any dialogue. That's I mean, the he, thing. He's got nothing to do. And but he could at least like loom in a way that isn't just like he got out of his crypt, went upstairs, <laughs> just so he can loom. Downstairs, yeah, yeah, you like that part. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like it does, it's one of those things that just doesn't make sense. Like I, I get the scene you wanted. You wanted like to put Dracula above him so he could like loom over Jonathan Harker. But like, wh- why would Dracula? He did, but he had just gotten out of his, his tomb. Like you saw him basically get out of it, and then then yeah. like he looked up, and then he was like above Dracula. Yeah, above like so he he Dracula basically like sprung up like ninety degree style, jumped up to the stairs, and then like. Waited for Jonathan Harker to turn around and like came back in all cool like like mm-hmm. I'm Dracula I've been here the whole time I gotcha and then turned him into a vampire or he was already a vampire and yeah, just something happened to him he made him a vampire yeah he loved it he really enjoyed it yeah so, oh so what about Dracula dead and loving it yeah I'm not gonna no <laughs> nothing wrong with that movie I'm sure it's great but I've never seen it I'm sure it's not great could be great Leslie Nielsen's really pretty funny. I've heard it's like the worst, one of the worst of those Leslie Nielsen parody movies and yeah. like the worst Mel Brooks movie. Okay, I'd buy that. <laughs> but still. The worst Mel Brooks movie could be better than the, than the best Dario Argento Dracula movie. I mean, <laughs> Dario Argento made one of them, I think, as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his Dario Argento is a subject that's quite involved. Oh, he's also like, he's, he's got a style. Yeah, he always, that's all he's got. But yeah. Um, Alright, so are you good with Dracula? I think I'm good with the Dracula for now. Yeah, we should be doing some more Draculas pretty soon. I need like a fill of more Dracula. I need like... Because you see, vampires are just a metaphor for the human condition. Mm-hmm. You know? They're not really actual mystical beasts, you know? They're just about like, our struggles with life and death. Mm-hmm. And our struggles with vices. Yeah. And this movie kind of like 
flirts with the idea for like a second and then gets like really awkward and goes back to the other side of the bar. Yeah, well, it tries to, yeah, like vampirism is a drug addiction. Yeah, like it, pot, it like throws the idea into the room. And it does throw the idea into the room real and briefly. Then, and leaves. Yeah, I mean, and we can, there, that's a huge topic about horror movies that, how horror movies reflect the fears of the society. Yeah. And they do it like, basically without subtlety at all. No, yeah, because a lot of times they're just reflecting them so that the audience will connect with them. They're not really talking about them or mm. commenting on them. Yeah, only only unconsciously can, can you view them as commentary. Yeah, there's just sort of like, you know, in Universal, they're just like, aren't we kind of racist? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every villain is a some sw- abstraction of the other. Of the swarthy foreigner? Yeah. Here to take women away? Yeah. Except for mean Frankenstein. Well, I mean, Frankenstein... In, in Frankenstein, man, we've been a, man was the real monster all yeah, along. Yeah, So there's a variation of... I guess, like, you also have... Well, you have the post-World War One stuff with the, you know, the fear of the... Everything. Of the technology and things like that. And then you also have the fear of the, the invading foreigner. So... But anyway, I mean... The, 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 so this story starts to flirt with the idea that, like... What if vampirism was a metaphor? <laughs> what if vampirism... It flirts the idea that, like, there's... Um, flirts with the idea of, like, addiction. And, you know, people losing control of their minds and things like that. But, like, so very briefly. Very, very briefly. It just kind of, like, pauses. It's like, hey, maybe? Yeah, it's like a, it's a one-line thing. I think Cushing says it. No, uh... Parker yeah. says it, right? No, no, because it's definitely, like, three... Like, a... Halfway, oh, it must be in the it's like halfway into the film. He's doing his dictation. Yeah, somewhere um, around there, or when they're talking, or when they're like over Lucy and talking to each mm-hmm. other. I think it's around that part. Okay, or they're talking about Lucy. I think somewhere in there, he's like it's like an addiction or something, like a man addled with addiction or something. Something that effect. yeah, I know. I remember the part you're saying. It's, it's very brief. It was, but then like, no, Dracula's a, a a monster man. Yeah, but I mean, then you have Dracula's performance, which is like an amphetamine adult <laughs> wolf monster. So like, yeah, but I mean, that just because <laughs> maybe it's sort of like a marauding drug gang kind of thing. Like the kind of drug gangs who come up and stick needles in you and get you addicted. Yeah, except he's sticking his fangs in you. Oh, uh, you know what? That kind of relights. Re- Kind of like recasting the film in a completely different light now. Yeah. I feel like we gotta keep going for like another 40 minutes just to unpack all the metaphors <laughs> in this film. I know, I think we just did it. We just unpacked them all. <laughs> all of them? Yep, that's it. Things are like needles. Did you know that? Yeah, we just did it. We established that. It's been said. Lucy looked like 12 the first time I saw her, also. That's true. That's true. That's it. It was weird. <laughs> it's because of the pigtails. Yeah. And, like, she was, like, tiny and, like, wrapped in a bed, and they were, like... But, I mean, that... I, I feel that's unintentional. Yeah, they were, like, patting her head. And it only lasted for, like, 30 seconds before she, like, sat up, and you're, yeah. like, oh, no, she's, like, 44. That's, like, a real woman. Yeah. So, thanks for listening to episode 32 of the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. You can visit our website for more information. I just remember something. What? The, the comedic relief gravedigger, or yeah. whatever he was. Yeah, that guy who's in charge of the... Uh, yeah, I liked him. Well, I like that he was, like... Because he reminded me of, like, the old man who, like, is, like, really thinks he's funny. Mm-hmm. But, like, no, you don't want to, like, you kind of go... <laughs> and 
as he makes a joke, but they were just having none of it. But he just kept going, like he kept doing his bit over and over again. He's like, "Oh, the grave is like walking alive, and hey, buddy, hey." He's like, vaudevilling over there. Yeah, he was that guy was hilarious. He was just like, the guy wasn't hilarious, but the scene was. He was hilarious. Their stone cold indifference to that man's like, kind of like. Well, they were actually. I mean, they were on pretty serious business. They were, and he's like, "Hoo hoo." Because well, he works dead bodies all day. He's a clown. Also, there's that other guy who's like, I just repaired my, I just repaired my fence. She's like, Oh no, my fence got broke again. Remember that guy? No. He was the um, like the I don't know what he was like the border patrol or the postmaster okay. or something. Okay, the postmaster or the border patrol. He was the, he had the little gate that Dracula ran through and then Van Helsing ran through <laughs> after he just repaired it. Remember? Yeah, and then he was like, "Oh no!" And he like they they shot them for like five seconds with like his mouth wide open. He was like, oh. it, was, "It was just they were the, one of the other truly horrifying things of the 20th century is the way your property is just vulnerable to people just running through it. <laughs> with horses, just drug gangs, drug-addled horses, just like <laughs> hopped up and no no respect for prop, for private mm-hmm. or public property." It's just like two weird bits of like universe, following universal tradition of putting weird comedy bits in the middle of your film. Well, you gotta make them laugh. You gotta Otherwise, get, how can you make them cry? Yeah. It's got all the it's got all the goofs and the gasps. Anyway, <laughs> I felt I felt those guys were important. I need to mention them. Yeah, they were. I mean, they're crucial. They were like essential in like a. Um, you can check out Andrew's podcast, which is um, just a collection of anecdotes <laughs> of uh, sort of his favorite, <laughs> my favorite bit character. bit characters, just in all media. It's just Andrew. He does it by himself. Oh, I also really like that you like, in the, you can see their breath in the beginning of Castle Dracula yeah. when they were talking. It's cold. I thought that was weird. It was kind of cool. Yeah. It sort of adds to, to the gothic. Yeah, it adds like a, a bizarre sense of realism hmm. to the scene. Even you'd imagine Dracula's castle actually being pretty cold because he doesn't seem like he would um... need it because he's dead. Yeah, and he might be he might be into it. I'm not sure. Also, you would think you'd have breath, but I guess who really knows how that works? Rules of van- this this film is not really concerned concerned with the rules of vampirism. Yeah, I mean, in the rules of vampirism or whatever, whatever you feel like they yeah, made. whatever the material dictates because vampires yeah. are fictional. Yeah, they're, turns out they're not real. <laughs> they're like, I'm not even sure I've even like dug into like. Whether there is like deep folklorean roots to vampires, or just like Bram Stoker made all the shit up, and we're kind of like going with what he made. No, there's definitely folklore involved. I mean, but, he, he pulled out stuff from folklore. But like, I wonder if I don't. I haven't researched like whether it's like most of what we know just comes from this thing a guy made up once. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, he got it from somewhere. Yeah, I guess everything comes from somewhere. Yeah. There's a really good. Um, finish this because it's going to be another tangent thanks for listening to episode 32 of the goldenagehorror.com podcast you can visit our website for more information articles and show notes you can check out our ebook on amazon it's called all god this year 99 cents if you liked our podcast leave us a rating or review on itunes and it, i personally prefer a positive review but you know whatever you whatever strikes your fancy only positive reviews if you don't want to miss an episode please join our mailing list at our website. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash allgodlessyear. Follow me on Twitter at The Water Method. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at Pizza Pranks. Andrew's website is pizzapranks.com. Our theme music is The Swan Lake Dub by Dubology. Next week we're talking about probably a Dracula. One of the Draculas. 
and thank you for listening. GoldenHR.com.